Hello and welcome to episode 6 of series 1, Tulip Talks. I hope you're all well, I hope you've had a great week. I've had an amazing week. The last 4 or 5 days since I put that podcast out on Saturday has been absolutely unbelievable. I've been overwhelmed by the amount of feedback I've had. And it's all been positive, which has just been amazing. So thanks so much for sharing it with your friends and messaging me directly to say how much you've enjoyed it. It's meant so much to me because I know I said to you last week it was like therapy for me doing it. Um, but it was even um, as sweet just listening to all the messages that came through. And so many people took from it um, so many different things. Like I had a couple of mates that work in sort of high-end sales that messaged me and said, oh, I wish I'd have had something like this to listen to when I was younger or when I started getting into sales because it, you know, it, it says a lot about resilience and knowing your market, knowing your target, passion, knowing when to walk away. And honestly, I didn't put last week's um, podcast together with any thought whatsoever. It was just, you know what, I'm sick of bottling up this story. I just want to go into the studio and I just want to, I say studio, garden shed, and I just want to talk. And I think that's why I've really enjoyed the feedback because I know that it was really natural and authentic that I didn't actually, you know, write down on paper, okay, I got to start with this, then I got to do that. I just wanted to come in and talk like I would with any of my friends. And of course, as my listeners, you're all my friends. But um, I don't know what this week um, is going to is gonna have in store. I've got a few ideas of where I want to where I want to go with the podcast but again I because I, last week was so successful in terms of the um, feedback based on no real thought or planning I wanted to do the same again like if it's not broke don't fix it so I decided that all I need to do is have a little bit of red wine to give myself a bit of Dutch courage um, plenty of time by myself which I've got in my um, garden shed right now the kids are all in bed and Leah's watching some show on uh, Netflix which is great so here I am. I don't know where this podcast finds you. I don't know what you're doing. You might be out for a walk. You might be trying to do some work and you just want a distraction. You might be just sat there with your partner just, you know, saying, hey, I've discovered this guy. He's, he's amazing. I think it'd be really powerful if you listen to him. And you're introducing him or her now to Paul Tulip. And there's a lot of expectation. I get that, but it's all right. You're in safe hands. Let me take you on a journey. So... Again, just finally, amazing feedback, really appreciate it, brilliant. It's been my best listened to podcast and the numbers have been, yeah, ridiculous. And I'm, I am going to share it on LinkedIn. But I wanted to do this one first because I thought if people go on LinkedIn and find last week's, then I want them to have a bit of a follow-up. And obviously there's pressure on this one, but I thrive in those situations. So interesting feedback from last week was... Um, one of the guys that gave me the massive grilling on the uh, Apprentice interviews at the final stages, a guy called Paul Kempsey, who was one of um, Sir Alan Sugar's right-hand men. Yeah, some people sent me some links to what he's been up to since I've last been in contact with him, and it's not been uh, plain sailing for him. He um, recently had a stint on reality TV himself, which was quite funny, apparently. And um, his wife's been on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and um, I saw a few clips that he's been on, and um, oh, let me just say, it was sweet watching that. I'm not going to slag him off because um, it's not my style, but Google Paul Kempsey, have a look at his uh, stint on Real Housewives, and um, let me know whether or not you uh, still rate him as a human. 
And Chris Moyles as well, the Radio 1 DJ that took the piss out of me. And fair enough, whatever, I probably would have done the same. Based on the information he gave me, I um, I get that. But he's had a bit of a rise from uh, a, 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 a fall from a fall from fame. Rise from st- what is the rise thing? Rise a fall from. He's fucked up anyway. He's not doing well anymore. He's not living the dream. He's on um, a bit of a uh, C grade radio show, and he's had a lot of trouble in the press about this, that, and the other. But you know, again, the media do these things. Probably half of it isn't true, but it's just interesting, isn't it? And I tell you what else is interesting and weird, and I don't. <laughs> I was going to say I don't believe in things like this, but I think I think I kind of do because as as life goes on, more and more things happen to me that I just think that's all a bit spooky, isn't it? That's all a bit a bit weirdly nicely strange. So I'll give you an example. I've not been on Twitter for ages, and I'll maybe go on it every now and again if somebody sends me a link through WhatsApp which involves going to Twitter. Then I'll click on it and then I'll realise that I've got an account on there. But my posts, I probably would have made maybe 10 or 15 tweets in the last 15 years. Like, literally nothing. But one of the people that I do follow is Sir Iron Sugar, or Lord Sugar that he's called now. And because I went on um, Twitter recently to look at a um, cricket clip that somebody sent me, I noticed that he tweeted. And he tweeted that he had literally, yesterday I think it was, so today's Thursday, yesterday he had landed in Sydney... And he was basically tweeting saying how amazing Emirates were. He hasn't flown um, an airline like that for a number of years because he's always private jet. Yeah, we get it, mate. We've all travelled. But he was saying how amazing the hospitality was and all that. And he was in Sydney. And I was thinking, what's he doing in Sydney? And I was thinking, quarantine, whatever. And it turns out he is over here to film Celebrity Apprentice. So he is the actual guy that's doing the Celebrity Apprentice. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is not my shameful way of telling you that I'm going to be on it because A, I'm not a celebrity and B, I just can't go back there and see him. I just think unless he just bows down and gives me a kiss on the forehead and puts his finger on my nose and shushes me and says, shh, everything's going to be all right, then I just couldn't put myself through it. But how strange that he is now in Australia filming The Celebrity Apprentice and he's the main man. Because I think in Australia, when The Apprentice came out and you had your own person on it, it was a guy called Mark, is it Boris? He had Wizard Home Loans, Mark Boris, I think. He seemed like a really nice guy, actually. And obviously in America, it was Donald Trump, and we all know what's happened to him now. Um, but yeah, yeah, I thought that was strange that, like, not even being on Twitter at all, and then I see that that's happening. And then his tweet yesterday, Lord Sugar, was that um, on October the 1st, there's going to be the best bits ever of The Apprentice all the series put together and it's going to be the best bits aired on um, the BBC on October 1. And as you'll all know, October 1's my birthday, which I thought's a bit strange, like of all the dates to do it. And October 1 is also the date. And if any of you actually know this, then amazing. But I only know it because it's my birthday. On Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, when Charlie wins a a golden ticket and he goes back to his house and miraculously his granddad, who couldn't move out of his bed for 20 years, all of a sudden, at the thought of free chocolate, finds the uh, strength in his knees to get out of bed and start parading around the living room. Um, The day that they get to go and see Willy Wonka at the Chocolate Factory is October 1. So, very, very strange. Um, Anyway, there you go. So, I just think it's weird that I've not talked about The Apprentice for ages and never in the way that I've done and now Sir Iron Sugar's in Australia and the best bits of The Apprentice are coming out of my birthday but 
What I did do, because I thought, what have I got to lose, is I tweeted him with a link to this podcast that I did last week. Because I thought, you know what? Might be useful for you to hear it from the other side of the story. So, um, there you go. And maybe I'll remind him that in the um, the book that he wrote a few years later, he did actually say, whether or not it was him who wrote it, who knows, he did actually say that he regrets not hiring me, or he certainly regrets not getting to know me more. So, if you're out there, Sir Alan, listening... Let's meet halfway and let's hug it out and we can move on. But if you are going to hug it out, please get yourself a full bodysuit and a um, PPE mask and let's do it in a safe and correct way. All right? Stop spreading the virus. Um, So, yeah, interesting. Um, As much as I've been absolutely buzzing this week, and I have been, I've been absolutely, like, I don't know why. Well, I do know why because I've obviously, I've put a podcast out there. It's gone really well. And I feel like I've got momentum now and I just feel like I've found my mojo again. And I had a chat with a really good friend of mine, a guy that I'm hoping to work with soon in some capacity. And if he's listening, he'll know who he is. And he rang me about my podcast and I didn't even think he'd be the kind of person to listen to podcasts. And he, he rang me and said how how much he'd loved it. And I, ha- I, I have I ever thought about sales training and motivational speaking or, you know, some sort of like, you know, um, inspirational chat because he said he listened to it and he forwarded it on to a number of people in his network, both both young and old, um, on the basis of, I just think this is a guy that you should listen to. And I was absolutely flattered because I really rate this guy. I respect him massively. And um, it did start me thinking. And then another friend of mine also said about sales training in that um, what she'd listened to in the podcast, um, you know, there were some really good um, tips in there and, you know, had a thought about doing it. And then Leah mentioned it on the back of that comment and said, yeah, I've often thought you should be good at that. And so I don't know. I mean, who knows? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be David Brent and do a speaker tour and walk into a room with a ghetto blaster on my shoulder and start singing simply the best. But do you know what? For a price, I'd probably consider it. So if you're out there thinking that Paul Tulip might be able to improve your life in some way, shape or form, then you're right. I probably could. And I've said that as a throwaway comment before to a few of my mates over the years. And I've been in a pub and you know, sort of done my little uh, tongue-in-cheek uh, comment where I've I've dropped something and walked at the bar and um, just let that you know that thought fester and simmer. And I've remember dropping it um, a couple of years ago in a, in a in a pub in Melbourne to a few boys, and I just said, "Do you know what? I've, more and more I think about it, I reckon I can improve most people's lives by at least twenty percent just by knowing them, just by being in their lives." And obviously, I walked away grinning. And they obviously knew me well enough to know that I'm a dickhead and that's one of those throwaway comments. But last night I was actually laying up in bed and I couldn't stop thinking about it because um, I was watching the cricket. It was England, Australia, and I was watching the cricket till about one in the morning. And then when I got to bed, I just had all these ideas come in my head about, um, you know, what I could do with my life and how, you know, life is too short to not really pursue something that you really love doing or that you're really good at. And in the last week, I've never been more confident that what I'm good at is um, helping people and improving their situation in, 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 in many ways. And I know there'll be some of you there, and especially my close friends, that will sit there and go, fucking Tulip, he's lost the plot. But I can back this up. I, I genuinely believe that people I meet have a better life because I'm in it. And I genuinely believe also that there's people in my life that don't like me whatsoever. They don't want a bar of me, can't stand me. And do you know what? I'm completely fucking cool with that. I'm so good with that now because I know there's enough people out there that love what I am. And there's so many people out there that I love for what they do. And I would say all the people that mean a lot to me in my life improve my life too. 
not by 20%, maybe 12, 15 max, but they still improve my life. And I think that's what it's all about. If you're going to knock around with people and hang out with people, then help them. Help them live their life better. Help them make better decisions. Help them um, steer away from negativity because that's one of my absolute... In fact, it's my number one thing in life that I hate more than anything is negativity. It's people who just cannot ever dare to dream of how good things could be or always see the worst in it. Oh, I think going to the winery at the weekend, oh yeah, it might rain. It fucking might rain, Michael, it might. But guess what? If it does, I'll sit in the car. And if the car's not available, I'll go inside. And if I can only sit outside under an umbrella, I'll sit there. And if the umbrella leaks, I don't give a fuck because I'm going to be drinking wine, having a lovely time. We're not made of sugar. Shut the fuck up, Michael. Do you know what I mean? So don't surround yourself with anybody that's negative. And if there's anybody in your life right now, particularly through isolation, that hasn't given you anything in terms of a phone call, a check-in, and I don't class fucking WhatsApp and Facebook and all that shit as a check-in. I watched a program this week, that um, Social Dilemma on Netflix, and it made me realise how addicted to the phone I am. And I admit it, like, I don't care. I, I will admit it, I'm shocking. And I, I, in the last three or four months within isolation, I've been even worse, and I fucking hate myself for it. So I'm going to do things about that, I promise you. If it wasn't for this podcast and putting things out on social media, I'd get rid of Facebook. But I feel like it's a good tool and in the right way, managed in the correct manner, I can actually um, handle it. So that's fine. I just need to be on it less and not get involved in too much stuff. Like WhatsApp is the worst thing for me. Anyone who's on a WhatsApp group with me will know I can't help myself. So if you're on a group WhatsApp of, you know, eight, ten people, whether it's, a, you know, golf chat, cricket, um a UK thread. I've got bloody. I've got about fifteen threads that are all groups. So it's a fucking nightmare because you wake up first thing and the ones that are over in the UK and in America have woken up and they start chatting and you've missed a, a whole conversation. And there's like a thousand messages or whatever. You know, well, there's not a thousand. There's a hundred messages and you're just like fuck. So you scan them all because I can't not read every single one. And then you comment on something, but the moments pass. So it's all you know. Everyone's lost it or. You're reading stuff and I think, oh, I've got a really funny comment for that. So you put it on and it's just not good. And then even when it's a live WhatsApp chat, if someone posts something, you know, they're having a pic, they send a picture of a beer and then, oh, how good's life having a beer? Then I can't just not acknowledge that. I can't just be like, that's good. That's great. Leave it. I have to acknowledge it because I think that poor bugger, he's put a picture up of himself having a beer and he's really happy with life. I'm just going to post on, oh, good on you, mate. Um, yep. Yeah. And then I can't help myself. I think, oh, I'll Sometimes I go to the fridge and crack a beer just to send a picture and go, yeah, me too, mate, cheers. And I didn't even want a fucking beer. It's half nine in the morning. Ridiculous. But I just don't like people feeling like they're not getting anything. And then I get enthralled in this whole, you know, conversation. And then I read stuff back and I think, fucking hell, Tulip, you know, you look like you're trying to, um, you know, beat everyone. Like, you know, you're trying, like, they, they've put a picture of a beer up. You've put a picture of two beers up. Now you're having champagne. Now you've, you know, got, you're in a strip club. What are you doing? Grow up. And I, yeah, so I just, I, I I struggle with that. So if you've not seen that program on Netflix, A Social Dilemma, it is an absolute eye-opener. It is shocking. And I'm not, I'm not going to say, nah, take Facebook down, don't use WhatsApp, don't use Instagram and all that. Because I think they're brilliant. I just think you need to manage it in the right way. Anyway, it has been a great week this week. I'm absolutely, as you can tell, I'm absolutely buzzing. I've just got a new um, order as well through of uh, from Vino Mofo. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm fishing for for compliments or compliments sponsorship, but 
they have got a lovely selection of wine at very reasonable prices and i'm just gonna have a lovely little sip of a yarra valley pinot right now here we go oh that is delicious and um everything is good life has been good this week and i'm not gonna lie i have my ups and downs People often ask, Leah, what's it like to live with Paul? Is he full on all the time? And no, I'm not. I have my moments where I'm just bloody miserable and I can't snap myself out of a mood. And I found myself recently being, um, you know, either really, really up and about or really, really down. And I hate that. I just would love to be middle middle ground, but I'm not that kind of person. I've never been a middle ground person, unfortunately. I've always been all or nothing. Um, And I wouldn't change that because I think mediocrity is, and and, you know, sort of that plateau lifestyle is boring. I think you need a little bit of um, chaos in your life. Um, I think you need to you need to have a little bit of spontaneity, and you need to, you know, mix things up and keep things interesting for everyone involved. Otherwise, you just become that guy who's called Ian. He's fifty-two. He works in accounts, and he had a Bailey's three Christmases ago, but he doesn't like it because he felt a bit squiffy. And he woke up the next day with a bit of a thick head, and he couldn't do his eight k run. Fuck off, Ian. You're not for me. So you need to have a little bit of a, you know, chaos bit. A little bit of a spike. A little bit of a, you know, and I like that. So. Unfortunately, though, I was on a bit of a buzz this week, but I had some horrific news, awful news. And um, it's weird how this has all worked out, but when when we moved into this house about four years ago, um, this isn't a joke, but it sounds like it now, because I'm just thinking about what I'm going to say, and it does sound like a joke. We had an elderly couple living one side of us and another elderly couple living the other, and within about six months of us moving in, both the husbands died. It's not a joke, so I'm not going to go there. Um, And they they weren't connected. They didn't have a fucking sword fight or anything. They both died independently, all right? Um, And it was really sad because, obviously, you know, death is sad. But I didn't really know either of them. I didn't know know them at all. In fact, they, you know, I wouldn't have said two words to them. Um, Not from being rude, just didn't happen. Anyway, um, Fran on the one side, lovely lady, old Italian lady, and um, just got the most wonderful kids and grandkids, and she's so kind, always giving us, you know, homemade pasta and just great chat. She's just such a wonderful lady. And on the other side, we've got this lady who's a, a German lady called Henriette, and her husband Clem, unfortunately, passed away quite quickly after we moved in. And um, I'd never really got the chance to speak to her um at all and never um actually ever spoke to him but long story short it took for her landline at home to be not working for her to come over and knock on our door and she knocked on our door one day and um I answered it and oh hey I recognize her from next door I didn't know her name and she basically said that she's been trying to ring her daughter and she can't Telstra do her landline it's a shocking service and is there any chance that she could use our, our landline? She'd like to have a chat with uh, her daughter who lives in Baldwin. I said, yeah, no problem. So she came in and she used our mobile because I don't even think, we do have a landline, but we don't use it. So that was that. And she made the call and had a bit of an interaction. And I could see that she was, you know, sort of half wanting to speak a bit more than normally. And um, for some reason, I had this overwhelming urge to just go out and and... and buy her a phone so I went out and to the local shopping center and I went into Optus believe it or not um the business that I was working on behalf of in my last podcast in Australia so a bit strange this bit of a strange story but I think I'm probably going to sell it to you as a bit of a stranger story than it actually is but 
I went and bought her a mobile phone, which was just a pay-as-you-go. I don't know what you call them you know, over here, prepaid or whatever. But basically, you know, cheap phone, 50 bucks. And then it was like SIM card, 30 bucks for six months of calls. And I came back and I knocked on her door and I said to her, I've got you this phone because I don't like the idea of you, not, you know, not having a landline. And if that ever goes, you know, tits up again, then of course you can come over and knock at our house. But you can, you know, be safe in the knowledge you've got a bit of technology here that's going to help you out. And she couldn't believe it. She loved it. She invited me in, made me a beautiful coffee, like a proper percolated coffee, which was lovely. She was an amazing cook. Um, she used to bake... Um, well, mum and dad used to have a, um, a restaurant or pub when she was growing up in Germany. And at the age of 13, she used to sort of work in there and bake all these delicious biscuits and cakes and stuff. So, she, yeah, she pulled out these cakes and stuff. I mean, these were fresh cakes, not from ones in Germany 58 years ago, because that would have been fucking disgusting. But she gave me these nice little cakes and all that, and obviously, you know, she could tell that I was uh, not as finely tuned athlete as, uh, as some might have beckoned a, a doorstep over the years. And uh, obviously, I had more more than one of them, and um, we chatted. And long story short, I was there three hours, and we chatted all sorts of shit. And she told me all about her growing up, and we just clicked. And from that moment on, we became, I would say, we became mates. And um, I'd like to say that she made my life happier living next door to her when I'd see her face and vice versa and I learned quite quickly that there was no point me asking her how she was because every time I asked how she was she said oh you know not good lived here 49 years um you know Clem's been dead whatever amount he had and um you know I don't really want to live anymore I just want to take some tablets and finish my life and I'd say don't talk like that don't worry about it I'll come round tomorrow and we'll have a coffee <laughs> and as I'm saying it now it's like you, you know like, like I'm gonna you know be the reason that she doesn't die but in all seriousness, like that little bit of interaction could have been the first and only thing that she'd had that week. Um, so I did used to go around there and have a chat to her, and I used, and we got to the point where she'd drop um, scraps over for the chickens, and I'd you know go and collect a bit of wood here, there, and everywhere from a back garden, and mowed a lawn a few times, and it was brilliant. I kind of said, well, you know, you're my Australian grandma, and I really did like her because she was so brutally honest and and such a lovely lady. And um, neighbours, you can't really choose them, unfortunately. And I felt like so lucky to have her. And um, on Saturday morning, I put that podcast out and I was feeling like a bit nervous and all that. And then I went out the front to, I don't know what I was doing, to be honest. Um, Let's make something up, do 20 press-ups. And um, I saw there was three ambulances outside her house. And I was worried straight away. And... um, I saw the ambulance guy eventually because there was quite a lot of commotion. There was a few cars there and they were just about to leave. And I said to the ambulance guys, is, is Henriette okay? Is everything okay? And he says, yeah, yeah, she's okay. We're just going to take her to hospital and run a, th- run a few checks. And I was like, oh, thank God. That's great. Um, and you know, what I was going to say just that I thought nothing of it, but I didn't. I, I, I thought a lot about her that day and I was thinking, God, you know, it's really scary like it if that is the end for her and I was I never like to be pessimistic but I was thinking that that could be it and I was really um I was really upset if I'm honest like because I've I've had deaths in my life before but never from anybody that was um you know sort of so recent like I had people in my life that died when I was quite young and I didn't really appreciate it and then when I moved to Australia I lost a couple of my grandmas I say that like I had eight of them I only had two I lost them both um they both died Again, independently, wasn't in a sword fight. And um, it was sad, but it was also a little bit easier in that when I moved to Australia, I kind of imagined that I might not see them again. Not that I didn't go back to England every now and again, but I just thought that could be it. So, 
yeah, it was a bit easier to deal with. But yeah, you know, I'm not saying that I was as close to Henriette next door as I, as I was with my grandmas or um, anyone else really, but it just affected me. And I remember thinking, um, I just really hope that isn't the end. But on the flip side, I thought, well, maybe it wouldn't be that bad because she always talked about how she wasn't happy anymore and that she just wanted to, um, you know, be up there with Clem, wherever that was, in the stars. And um, yeah, I thought, well, the last memory I've got of you is a good one. Um, and we went round and had a social distance singing of happy birthday on our front porch and gave her a few um, gifts and... Yeah, so I do have a happy memory of her, but it was just weird that the the reason that we started talking was because of her phone not working, and then I went to go and get her a phone with Optus, and I just put that podcast out, and then the ambulance came, and then anyway, yesterday I saw a daughter at a house, and um, she informed me that Henriette hadn't um, pulled through, she'd had a stroke and had severe brain damage, and unfortunately um, that was it for her, um, 85 years old. And, um, yeah, it was, it was one of them really. It was just, yeah, it, I was just in a week where I've been thinking about life and what it's all, what's it all about. And, you know, I'm 40 years old now and, you know, I could go on and just tick over and do what I do and that'll be fine. But then I thought, do you know what? Fuck it. No, I think, I think there's more in, in my tank. I think, I think I'm not being, um, true to myself by, um, exploiting what I've got and what I believe I can do for people and how I believe I can help people. And I'll give you an example of how I've just always been able to get on in life. Like when I landed in Australia, I didn't know anybody. When I'm first time and last time, um, you know, when I was 18 years old in Perth playing cricket, I didn't know anybody. But when I was 30 years old or 28, 29, and I arrived in Melbourne, I didn't know anybody. And within about two or three months, I had the most enviable network inside and outside of business. And people would ask me, how, how have you got this sorted already? How have you got that sorted already? How have... And I'll tell you why it is. One, is because I want the best of everything in life. And two, is because I'm going to research things till I literally can't even think about a subject anymore because I've absolutely exhausted every single option and every single avenue of, of, of whatever decision I make and my friends take the piss with me about it now and if they wanted to buy a new barbecue they'll send a message on the group chat saying oh I'm thinking of getting a barbecue anyone got any ideas and even if I've never even looked at buying a barbecue before I can't help it in myself I just want to I want to start helping people so I'll be on fucking forums I'll be joining barbecue Facebook pages I'll be messaging mates I'll be hey you know I saw on Instagram last week you had this pork belly you were doing or pork you know pulled pork how do you do it what's your ba- what's your method if you were going to build an outdoor kitchen what would you have would you have a komodo joe and a, a, a gosney box and they go oh you know a little bit about it i'll go no i don't i just spent four and a half hours researching it speaking to bob in arizona about his fucking texas grill but i just can't help myself and when i arrived in melbourne i just instantly um started networking and it made me think Back then I had this idea and it's still something with me now and I half thought about not sharing it because I didn't want people to rip my idea and then I remembered nobody else is Paul Tulip, they can't execute it the way that you can. And I was thinking about a business and I've got an actual number plate that I bought based on this idea and if ever, if ever, if, everyone, if anyone's ever seen me riding around on my little Vespa, it's got a number plate on it which is B, BLKBK which is, um, it was the only number plate I could get that sort of, 
spell out black book because I had this idea of my little black book and how I could help people get an instant network, whether or not they wanted a soft landing into Melbourne or anywhere else in the world. People who just wanted the best of everything and they didn't have the time or the um, the time or the inclination to actually find out that shit for themselves, I'll just do it for them. So I'll give you an example of how this worked very quickly when I was in Melbourne. So I sorted myself out, you know, obviously I was settled and that was all cool. But I met this lady through work who was on mega money. She's like, you know, a million dollars a year salary and she lived in Brighton and her husband from us from America and they had this amazing life and she was working for one of the big retailers over here but I would talk to her and say okay so um what do you do on a weekend tell me what your average weekend is and now oh god oh, Saturday morning you know we go shopping we go to the markets and then we spend all day cleaning and my husband cleans the cars I do this I do that and you know and we, then we take the kids out and then the kids got sport and then we do this and we do that and obviously it's full on and then you know by the time you know Saturday night comes you know we might just get a takeaway or whatever and then Sunday's just you know washing ironing all these things and I just remember saying to um, this lady I said that just sounds like that's ridiculous like you're doing all these things you earn all this money like what what you're living for I don't get it and they they'd actually um, come from overseas to live here and I said I, I don't get that she goes oh what do you mean I said well why, why, I tell you what, why don't you let me sort out next weekend? I'll organize everything for you. So you, you, do you like going to the market? She goes, no, I used to, not really now. Do you like washing the cars? No, I hate it. Do you like um, taking the kids around to school sport? No, I don't like it. What would be the number one thing you'd like to do on a Saturday afternoon if you had the time? Oh, I'd like to go and get my hair done. I'd like to go and get my, um, go shopping and get get a treatment, get you know my nails done or something like that. Okay, what would your husband like to do? Oh, I'd probably play golf. Okay. And on Sunday, what's your, what's your favorite food? What, what's your number one thing? Oh, we love Italian and... Do you cook it yourself? Well, we'd like to, but we don't get fresh pasta. Okay, cool. Would you rather have it delivered or do you rather have it go out and, you know, learn how to make it yourself? Oh, well, you know, it's whatever. Just like it, it ran and I just went, okay. So about two days later, I'd spent literally two days on this. I rang this lady and I said, right, I've got this weekend sorted. Do you trust me? She said, absolutely, I trust you. This was a client of mine. did a lot of work with her. And uh, long story short, I organized their whole weekend. So I'd got this cleaning business that were going to come in Saturday morning and do an absolute top-to-tail um, blitz of the house. They'd do all the washing, all the ironing. They would then um, have a team of guys come in, in the afternoon. They had three cars. They'd wash all the cars, inside, outside, valet. Um, there was an old school teacher that I found that was running a business that was basically ferrying around people's kids that going to school sport and if people you know couldn't get their kids to sport he was an old teacher so he was you know he was accredited to work with kids and all that so I found I you know ferrised my way into finding out that was a thing and um I organized everything so the kids got taken to sport they woke up they had nothing to do they had no cleaning to do I organized for a game a golf lesson for a husband down at um where was it down he lived in Brighton and I'm just trying to think it's irrelevant now but um, Woodlands, I think it was. He had a golf lesson down there. And then he um, he played nine holes. Um, she went to she wanted to get her hair done, and she always said, oh, "I've never ever been able to get a good haircut since I've been in Australia." So I did some um, research, and I found out that there was a um, a guy that had won an award, uh, Joey Scandese, I think his name was, from Rock Ebony on Chapel Street. And anyway, I rang him. I tried to ring him and couldn't get an appointment. And I basically blagged it and just sold the dream to this bird and um, she said oh we can fit you in not with him but with someone else and I got this lady an appointment to go and get her hair done and then I um, 
got her nails done in Delta Spa or something like that. Basically just chaperoned the whole evening, the whole afternoon, the whole weekend. And then um, on Sunday, they both went out on a um, pasta cooking course on Ligon Street with the kids. Um, And um, I got them taxi there and back so they could have a few drinks. And they basically had the best weekend of their life. The first weekend they said they've had like that since they moved to Melbourne and they'd been there about two years. And I just thought, that's just basic. Like you earn so much money between you. And that, that weekend's probably cost you about three grand in the grand scheme of things, which is nothing. And I'm not saying that you do that every weekend, but like you're not living your life properly. Like you need to sort it out. And she was absolutely loving it. And I thought, God, what an, what an amazing business that would be. Like a black book, like an, a, you know, an elite concierge service. And I know they exist if you have like mega money and coots and all the big banks will do all that for you, but they don't have Paul Tulip, do they? And that's why I believe I can help people. Anyone, if you've got a mate out there now who's struggling a little bit, who's a bit of a crossroads, or even they're flying and they're having a great time, but you just think they'll benefit from having a chat to me, introduce me to them. And if I don't know them, I don't care, because I I reckon after an hour of speaking to them, I'll find out something about them that isn't quite right and I can help them. And I'll, you know, say, you know, what what do you wish you could do for a living? Or what do you always um, say that you'll do and you've never got round to it? And And I'll basically then take that and they'll download to me for half an hour, an hour, and I'll then go and action some stuff and say, oh, you said last week you'd love to learn to play the guitar, but you've never got round to doing it. Why have you never got round to doing it? Oh, because I always think it's a bit of a knobbish thing to do when you're 50 years old and going to somebody's house. And okay, well, I'll get the person to come and see you and you're going to do this and it's there and it's 30 bucks an hour, but you'll pay him 50. Everything's fine. What song do you want to learn? Um, why do you want to learn it? Everything. I just think stuff like that. And that's when I used to interview people at work and people used to come from all around the country in the UK to come and meet with us. And um, sometimes immediately I'd, I'd know they weren't the right person just by the way that they presented themselves, the way they started talking or anything. But I think this will be a waste of my time and theirs if I spend the next 10 minutes and fuck them off or another hour and, and never do anything with this information or anything. It's just a waste of our time. But they're, they're still a good human, even though they're not right right for the role. They're still a good person. They still must know some shit. So I used to bleed them of information. So, right, tell me something interesting about yourself. What are you into? And I love that question. Hate it when you go to a barbecue and someone says, what do you do for a living? Don't give a fuck, really, do you? You don't care, and you hate it when they say they're an accountant or, oh, you know, I work with, um, you know, I, 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 I work with um, underprivileged vegetables in a in an organic garden in Brunswick. You're like, fuck off. What are you into? That's what you want to ask. Start asking people what they're into. All right, top tip, because then they'll start their eyes will light up and they'll start talking to you about something, and you'll love it. And then if you find out that they're into something and they actually do it for a living, happy days. How good's that? So ask people what they're into, not what they do for a living. It's much better conversation. And while we're talking about words, can everybody stop using the word basically? It's one of my most hated words. You'll never hear me say it. Because the word basically shouldn't exist in the English language, apart from in maybe 1% of conversations. And I'll give you an example of when it's okay. If someone comes down to your gar- uh, into your garden and you've recently done a DIY project and you've renovated a garden shed, and I know what you're thinking. This is Tulip. He's done this. And someone says, does that sh- that shed looks different? What have you done? You can get away with it just only now. And you can say, well, basically, I've painted it. Right? And they go, what? You've just painted it. That was it. It still looks different. And you go, well, okay. Full story is I've actually sanded the whole thing down. I've done a whole new extra bit on the side that you wouldn't have even known. I've moved those doors. 
We've got new doors, sliding doors. They used to be old shitty doors. Now they're like these beautiful glass doors. They match the ones in the old fresco, if you notice. And I've put this new roof on. I've painted that bit, and I've got now got a gutter, and the gutter actually feeds the water down into this water tank, and I'm now, um, you know, doing my lemon tree because of the water that I'm catching off the roof. Fucking brilliant, Paul. Wish I never asked. But anyway, that's when you can say basically because then you, you've, you've really dumbed it down for them. But when you ask somebody something normally and you go um so how did you uh, how did you get the job with that other mob then how did you so you've changed jobs how did you get the new job and they go well basically i sent my cv um to an advert that i applied for and i went to go and um have the uh, interview and um yeah after two or three stages they actually offered me the job that story is no different without the word basically in it they could just say well i applied to an advert and I went for an interview, and after two or three stages, I actually got the job. And I hate it when people use the word basically. And just please, if you are doing it, or you catch someone else doing it, just say, you know, just think about when they say it, could that sentence have had as much meaning, as much powerful messaging, as if it didn't have the word basically at the start of it? And I guarantee 99% it will have just been absolutely perfect without it. And the other word I hate is the word obviously. And I've used it a few times in the last 10 years, and it was one of the first things that my sales director in recruitment said, you cannot use that word anymore. Um, I used to call people and say, uh, oh, hi there, Steve, it's Paul. Obviously, I've got your CV in front of me. I'm just giving you a call. And he'd, and he'd, he'd sometimes hang up that call and he'd say, uh, Paul, it's not obvious at all. He doesn't know you've got his, your CV in front of him. He doesn't He doesn't know that at all. So stop using the word obviously. Hate that word as well. I'll tell you the word I hate, especially in recruitment or in sales, is the word just because if you start that with when you're calling someone you go I'm just calling to say it just it loses the whole meaning I'm just calling no I am calling to say I'll be there tomorrow at nine o'clock when you say it like I'm just calling it's almost like you know like a pathetic little I'm just calling look at me I'm such a little pathetic shit you're not just calling you are calling and you're not calling to have a chat you're calling to have a conversations because we don't have chats we have conversations and I'm terrible now because I can't actually ring my friends and do non-recruitment chat. So I will literally ring my friends like it's a headhunt call. Um, Hi, Holly. It's Paul Tulip here. Is now a convenient time? It is. Great. I was thinking of having lunch next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Does that work for you? It does. Great. I'll lock that in. And thankfully, most of the people that I know now that are all my friends will just, you know, sort of just laugh or... Whatever, but there's people that I speak to that are... Like, if I'm ringing a plumber to come and... Fi- like, I had to ring a roofer the other day to come and fix a... Um, not the other day. Don't start giving me COVID shit. Pre-COVID, when roofers could come over. Fucking hell, listen to me. Who am I? I had a, I had a leak in my roof, and um, he came over, and... Um, well, when I had to ring him, I was ringing around, and I rang this guy. And bearing in mind he's a roofer, you know, nothing wrong with that, but he's a fucking pretty basic guy. And I just went, Hi there, Steve, it's Paul Tulip here. We've not spoken before. It's now a convenient time. And he was like, who's this? Who's this? And obviously it's going to freak him out if I'm giving him a fucking full sales pitch, full headhunt call. Steve, it's Paul Tulip here. It's now a convenient time. We've not spoken before, but I've been highly recommended to give you a call by somebody within your network. (laughs) And um, anyway, he came over and he fixed the leak. So fucking happy days. Um, Another thing you can do, which is a fun word thing that you can do, is instead of asking people why, from this day forward, ask on what basis. If you're saying to your missus, um, if she says, I fancy a takeaway tonight, instead of saying why or okay, just go, on what basis? And it's a real thought provoker. I love it. On what basis? Well, on the basis that I can't be asked to fucking cook and I'd love some Indian food. All right, fine. 
So you've taken the conversation to another level. I love playing with words. It's brilliant. And the other one that I um, do, and Leah doesn't, Leah doesn't wash this one anymore, Like, but I like doing it with, with strangers or... Um, not strangers, but na- neighbours. If I see a neighbour, like, cutting his lawn out the front, like, most people would say, all right, mate, you're cutting your lawn, yeah, looks good. Or, you know, if you're a real cheesy bastard, you go, oh, you can do mine next. <laughs> Fuck off. But anyway, instead of doing something like, oh, that looks good, mate, whatever, just say something along the lines of, lawn looks good, mate, and then leave it a little bit and go, doesn't go unnoticed. If you say to somebody, it doesn't go unnoticed, like, even if, like, Leah's too smart for this, but if you've got a wife or a partner or a husband or a boyfriend or whatever, or you live with a guy, whatever, and, you and like, you walk past the bedroom and it looks good, you know? It, bed's made and whatever, or there's a nice little candle, you know, zhuzhing around and some flowers. Just, you know, put your head through the door and... seen the flowers in the room there and the bed's made. Doesn't go unnoticed. And I guarantee they'll just, you know, a little spring in their step and they'll be like, oh my God, you know, life's worth living. And you might be listening to this now just thinking, you're a fucking idiot. There's no way that would make a difference in my life. But it will make a difference to somebody's life. And that's important. It's all I care about with this podcast, improving just one person's life. And do you know what? That one person is me right now because I'm fucking buzzing. This Pinot is an absolute credit to the establishment. <laughs> right. Final little funny story I've got for you, and I'm going to wrap it up this week because I don't want it to be a massive one, is a little restaurant hack for you. And I've done this all my life. It's harder and harder to do it now because, um, well, because uh, bookings a lot lot of the time are online, so it gets difficult to do it in these email trails. But I'll tell you a story. When I was 21, I um, had a big party, which was great. But about three days later, it was my actual birthday. And I hadn't planned anything because I wasn't really bothered because I had this big party and there was a number of my friends laying on a lounge room floor all a bit worse for wear we'd had a few wines it was Saturday afternoon and the fire was on and it was a good time there was about eight of us and we were all just like oh god we're so hungry we can't be asked to cook we don't want to take away and there's a restaurant near us in in the UK called the Crab and Lobster and it's an absolute delight the best seafood ever and um Somebody said, I think it was my mate Helen, said, I'd love to go to the crab for dinner. And my mate Charlie went, well, yeah, good luck. It's got a three-month waiting list. And I just sat up from the lounge room floor. And I was like, right, I'm going to get us in at the crab and lobster tonight. How many How many want to go? Who we, How are we got? Who's in? And we're, well, obviously, Tulip, we're all going to go, aren't we? Yeah, whatever. How are you going to do this one? And I said, well, how many, what, table for 10? Table for 10? Got my mobile out and googled the number and just went with it. So I rang up the Crab and Lobster. It was about 4.30 in the afternoon between service because they did 12 till 3 and then 6 till 9, I think it was, for food. Hello there, it's Paul Tulip here. I've got a reservation this evening for my 21st birthday. Just giving you a call to let you know that we were a table for 12. Unfortunately... Couples just dropped out. We're now only a 10. So just wanted to let you know out of courtesy. I have worked in the uh, the restaurant game before and I know how annoying it is when uh, numbers aren't what they, uh, they uh, you know, uh, are perceived to be. So yeah, we're just a 10 now. Thought I'd ring you. Oh, thanks, Paul. That's lovely. That's really nice. Oh, you used to work in the industry. Oh, no. I ran a few pubs here and there. I know how annoying it is when you... You could have shifted tables around and got a couple of more heads in the restaurant. Yeah, and no, I'm sorry, Paul, I'll just find you booking now. Paul, Paul Tulip, well, yeah, Tulip, like the flower, like the flower, lovely. All right, I'll just hang on a minute, Paul. Um, when did you make the booking? Oh, I think I would have made the booking probably when I was in last time, probably a couple of months ago. Um, 
I can't remember now. Um, Helen, when do you think I made this booking? Was do you... Honestly, mate, I don't know. It's all right, sir. We'll just have a look through it here. What what time did you make the booking for? Um, I think it was seven. But I don't honestly don't know. It was I know it was yeah. It was your evening service. And okay, well, and then I'd just sit there and say fuck all because that's what you do in sales. You you know when to shut the fuck up. And I'd just sit there and wait for that awkwardness where they'd just say, oh, "I'm really sorry, sir. I can't actually find your reservation here." And I'd say, so, "Beg your pardon. Sorry, beg your pardon." And they'd say, "Well, I can't." I, Hang on a minute, I'll just go and get my manager, and they, you know, walk off and and come. Oh, so, hello, he, hello, he, hello. Who's this? Oh, hi there. It's Paul Tulip here. Oh, sorry, sorry. Who's this? Oh, it's, it's Steve. I'm the restaurant manager. Steve, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Uh, yeah, Steve. I don't know if we've met before, but um, no, I was just ringing to say that we're uh, we're meant to be a twelve, but we're actually only a ten now. And I was just ringing out a courtesy to let you know that you could have probably sold another couple of seats, or you know, moved someone in from the bar into the restaurant. And um, anyway, it's transpired. It doesn't seem that you got my. Uh, my reservation, which is a worry, because obviously it's my um, well, not obvious to you at all, is it, Steve? <laughs> we've covered this. Um, it, you know, it's uh, it's my twenty-first, and um, we've got a booking. But I'm I'm just ringing and, and finding out now that we haven't, and they'd be all flustered and you know go through the motions of bloody. Oh, let me just double check. I'll just we've got another book out the back. Let me check. And anyway, pulled it off, didn't I? Listen, Paul, I, I'm I'm dreadfully sorry. What's ha- I don't know what's happened here. We we have been so busy recently. Don't worry, Steve. It's not your fault. Um, but we can make a we can make an exception. We can get we'll, we'll shuffle things around. We'll get is now uh, you said seven, didn't you? Well, I did, Steve. Yeah, but it might not be seven. Okay, um, it's seven thirty, Steve. It's fine. We'll be there at seven. We'll have a drink in the bar, and you tell us when when you're ready for us to go. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for understanding. No, no problem, Steve. Look forward to seeing you later on. Will you be work? You will. Okay, I'll see you then. Fucking put the phone down. Everyone's fucking crying, laughing. I'm like, right, we've got two spare spots. Who are we ringing? Who's coming for tulips twenty first? Anyway, we rock up at seven o'clock, get to the bar. I made a beeline to try and find Steve. Shook his hand. Steve, thanks. Steve, I don't know what happened there, mate. I'm not listening. Face to a name. Now, I think I've seen you before, Steve. Anyway, bloody good at here. Oh, God, we had the muscles last time. Sensational. Oh, anyway. So he goes, Paul, I'm so sorry about the fuck up. I know it's your 21st birthday. I said, Steve, don't worry about it. These things happen. I've worked in the industry. What are you all drinking? I said, well, we're probably just going to have a round of champagne because it's my birthday. I'll get that. Of course you will. So off Steve trots, gets two bottles of Bollinger, comes back, serves it all up, apologises for the inconvenience, everybody, and I'm cheering my whole party, just laughing my head off inside, winking at them, to Steve. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for your attendance. The date's finally here. It's been in the diary for I don't know how long. I don't know how long. And um, obviously, we all tuttled through to the restaurant, had a fucking lovely time. So there you go, a little hack. Never ring up and blag it and say you've got something if you haven't. Never... Ne- never never just try and blag it completely cold have a little bit of a story or maybe ring up and say listen we we actually were in for eight o'clock is there any chance we can do quarter past seven just so they then start looking through the reservations and anyway i could be cutting my nose off now to spite my face with regards to restaurant reservations but you can't do it as much these days anyway because everything's online and the check bookings and stuff but yeah there you go a little hack for you um all right so there you go that's my little follow-up on last week i absolutely love having this chat with you guys um, um i'm so happy that this podcast is going in this direction i hope you've enjoyed it if you did um and if you are enjoying this right now please share it please let me know send me an email i'm still going to use my personal one because i'm still too nervous to introduce work into it so send me an email if uh, if I don't know you or or even message on LinkedIn because this might even make LinkedIn as well. But my email address is paultulip at yahoo.com. All right. 
Wherever you are, I hope you're having a lovely time. I hope you're appreciating your life. I hope you've got a little bit of a spring in your step. And I hope to see you soon and improve your life by at least 20%. Stay safe.